So um, our theme this year is to magnify the Lord together. And we've been learning about this reality of this very unique concept, which is that we get to be a source of God's glory and that our lives can magnify that. And uh, I... I was talking to the ministry team about that this this week, and I said, you know, what are we missing in this? What do we need to tell people in this? And um, we went back to the verse, and it said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. And the idea is more than, I, than just individuals doing this, because we get this individual thing. We're Americans, Right? We, you know, it's all about me and, and my way and my rights and blah, 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 blah. But this idea that we're supposed to do this together is just really fascinating. It, it, it's kind of the idea that somehow there is something greater that we are together as we all seek the same goal than there would be if it would be just individuals seeking out this idea. And so it's kind of interesting to think about us all coming together and being something greater than we can imagine. And, and so I started reading the stories, and there's, some, there's a couple stories in Acts that talk about this idea of how God was magnified and how they worshipped the Lord. And what seemed to be happening was extraordinary things. Absolutely fantastic things. You know, Peter would be released from jail while they were praying for him to be released from jail. You know, remember that story? And the little girl, he knocks on the door and the little girl is so excited that he's been released from jail that she forgets to let him in. You know that story? There were, there were people that were healed. There were amazing things that went on. And, and every one of us wants to experience those extraordinary things. We do. But here's the problem. We're ordinary, aren't we? And we live ordinary lives, and tomorrow up we're going to do the same ordinary thing that we did yesterday. And then the day after that, we're going to do the ordinary things of that day. And so, all of a sudden, without realizing it, we can take an idea like this and say, I'm looking forward to doing something extraordinary, but until then, I'm not sure what to do. So what does it mean to live our lives in an ordinary way and still at the same time magnify the Lord. What does the Bible say about that kind of stuff? Because, come on, let's face it, that's where we live, right? I live in the ordinary. I mean, I, I still think that some of what we get to do living in Lake Floss, it's pretty neat. We get to go places. My, my wife went and watched Short Track International Speed Skating yesterday. Didn't get to do that in North Dakota. <laughs> But most of what we do every day is ordinary, isn't it? We get up, we brush our teeth, put on our clothes, spend some time with the Lord, go to work, and do the same thing we did yesterday, right? And the next day, and the next day. So I I want to just think about what does it mean to magnify the Lord ordinarily, not just in an extraordinarily way. So the first idea I came up with, with is that we need to get the idea that everything in life is worship okay everything even the ordinary things that we do in life they're worship 
Uh, that's what I think that, that Paul was trying to get by when he said what he did in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so I think that we've got to start getting this idea that worship isn't just a place we go and an experience that we have, but every day is worship. I'll give you an example. On Friday, I had to build some stuff. But I didn't get to build cool stuff. I've been building cool stuff lately, but yesterday, Nancy needed little blocks of wood to go inside the brochure things. And I didn't build them right. And so I needed to make them shorter. But being who I am, I didn't want certain things to happen. And so I created a more complicated way to do that so that I could do my very best. So even though I was just cutting a quarter inch off of things that I'd already built, I did it in a way that was my very best. And as I finished it, having set up the templates and done all the work, there was this sense that I was worshiping God with my talents. I had to build a piece of wood that nobody will see. But I cut it in a certain way, and I chamfered edges in a certain way, and then I used a special device to make sure that all the countersinks were exactly the same depth. And in that ordinary thing that I did, because I did it well, that was worship. You see, I think God wants us to worship Him in the ordinariness of our lives. In those little moments where we know we're doing something well, and we can feel a sense of delight and satisfaction in it. Maybe you, know, maybe you add numbers better than anybody in the whole world. Maybe you do something exactly the same, but you do such a finesse and such a, a beauty that it's, it, it's like watching. I think that there is this reality that everything can be worship. And I can magnify the Lord, countersinking holes and cutting off boards. I can magnify the Lord, keeping my car clean, taking care of my family. I can magnify the Lord shoveling the walk. But there is this thing that in everything, he goes on and says that we're not supposed to conform to this world, but we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You see, there's a different way that we need to be looking at everything. Everything is an opportunity to please our God and, and to kind of look at Him and say, see, see, see what I did, God? See, see what I just did? In everything, we have the opportunity to worship. It talks about this in, in Psalms. It says, we can put a new song in my heart, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and put their trust in God. And, and it's not that we're, we're, we're contemporary Christian artists. It's just that they watch our lives and they see the beauty of it. I, I remember one day watching Jonathan, a private chef, do his work and the finesse with which he did it. And I was in awe of, of how what would have been incredibly complicated for me was just a thing of beauty and wonder as he did that. It says this, 
It, that worship is a lifestyle. It's not an event. And we've got to start taking a look at our life. If we want to magnify the Lord. Magnifying the Lord isn't about some extracurricular activity. It's about doing the laundry and doing the dishes and driving to work and taking out the trash. It, it's, it's about making a meal. It's about, it's about building something. It's about whatever God has called you. It's about sorting the screws well if you work for a hardware store. It's all of these different things. Those things can be worship. So if we're going to magnify the Lord, we've got to see everything as worship. But we have to see everywhere as witness too. You are the light of the world, Jesus said at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. A city on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but a stand, and it gives light to the whole, in the whole house. Then it goes and says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You see, it's not always that they're going to hear your words. It's just that they're going to see your works. I've told this story before about working for American Express before I came here. And this man came up to me who was one of the big bosses. And he says, I've been watching your work. And I think you work for somebody more important than American Express. You work for the Lord, don't you? Yeah. And do you know what I was doing? I was folding paper and putting it in an envelope. But there's a way to even do the simplest of tasks. And it can be worship. In Thessalonians it says this, Aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you. See, they're going to see it in how we live our life. They're going to see it in that. And it goes on in Colossians and says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You know, I used to work for a retail place, and we were taught how we were supposed to put a shirt in a box. Okay? And I can remember at one point saying, This doesn't seem very important. And they said, But you don't understand the Herberger way. Okay? We understand the way of faith. The way of our God. So in everything that we do, we have an opportunity to magnify the Lord. Witness is, to, is empowered by life. Have you ever met people that talk about loving Jesus, but their lives, as you watch them, you're like, ah, not so much. What else are we supposed to do? Every inter interaction has to be a god encounter this one's hard for me i have some prejudices in my mind sometimes but when i think of this verse in psalms it gives me kind of a different way of thinking i praise you because i am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works; my soul knows it full well now see as americans we understand the first part i am fearfully and wonderfully made but do we think that about every person that we encounter do we see them as fearfully and wonderfully made by our god the other day uh, i was thinking about this and i was thinking about one of the times lately that i've struggled with this um i I drove down to whitehall to a couple days ago uh, last weekend and uh, i got behind 
this Honda Accord that did not understand the speed limit. Have you ever been behind one of those? They don't understand the speed limit. And all of a sudden, the person driving that car was not brilliant in my mind, okay? Because they can't read signs, okay? And as I was preparing for this message, God reminded me of that. Because I can remember, have you ever driven by one of those people and you kind of give them the, read the sign look? You know what I'm talking about? But that person in that Honda is fearfully and wonderfully made. And God says, what, what do you think the story was behind that person? I have no idea. And somehow I've got to start looking at all of the people that I don't think are as smart as me or don't see things the way I do or don't live the way I do. And I've got to look at everybody, not just me, as fearfully and wonderfully made. Why? Because when I speak poorly of them, I'm speaking poorly of the Maker of them. I, I would never in my mind go as I'm driving down the road, God, who is the stupid person in front of me? Why did you create them to slow me down? I would never say that to God, you know? But I am. In James it says this, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you should love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. Because remember, we talked about it. Either we magnify or we distort the Lord in the way we act. And one of the places we probably do that more than any other place is in our interaction with other people interacting with God's creation and remembering that they are fearfully and wonderfully made is very important. We've got to see every moment as redeemable. You know, there are so many moments in every day that I probably lose just simply because I only think it's 10 minutes, so why get started? It's only 10 minutes, so why get something done? I waste too many 10 minutes in my life at times. But Ephesians says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. You see, in the same way I need to be thinking about everywhere and everybody, I need to be thinking about every moment. And I need to say, God, how do I redeem this? You know, here's where it's hard. It's hard in the interruption. You know, I can remember a pastor talked to me. He said, I watch you. And the one thing probably that's hardest for you is giving people the gift of five minutes. Because I'm on a schedule. But God wants me to redeem the time. And so all of a sudden, it's worth the little bit of extra time that it takes it's worth that prompting in my head that says, call somebody. It's worth giving attention to someone. You know, it's time for us to put these things down and put our eyes up.
We need to be redeeming time. That's what it speaks of in Ephesians. So here's what ordinary magnifying looks like. We have to realize that everything is worship. Everywhere I am, is a, I'm a witness. Every interaction is a God encounter. And every moment is spelled redeemable, is spelled wrong. Okay? I just said that for some of you because you'll notice that and you won't be able to get beyond it. Okay? But how do we do that? I started thinking, going, well, these are really great ideas. How do we do this? What does this look like? How do I magnify the Lord at all time? And I came down to just one thing that will help us do all of these other things. And that thing is to practice God's presence. You know, um, I love my mother-in-law. She is an incredibly dignified and regal person. And when I'm in her presence, my language changes just a little bit. Why? Because I'm in the presence of some greatness, so I want to be great. You know? If we realize that we are actually always in God's presence, if we stop praying that silly prayer that says, Dear God, please be with me, and He's going, I'm here! I think that all of these things will get just a little bit easier. Psalms 139, starting in verse 7, says this, Where can I go from Your Spirit? And where shall I flee from Your presence? If I ascend to heaven, You are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, You are there. If I take the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there Your hand shall lead me, and Your right hand shall hold me. You see, I think that if we want to magnify the Lord, we have to live like we're always in His presence. But I think that there are times, if you're anything like me, or maybe this is just me alone, where we get so busy in our day that we forget that He's there with us. We are so busy ushering in the ordinary of our lives that we forget that we are standing next to the extraordinary. Not the miracle that He does, but the presence that He offers. So as you go into this next couple weeks, how will you magnify the Lord? And how will that become a megaphone through this church where we are all magnifying the Lord together? Let's pray. Dear God, Help us to remember that You're here. And help us to delight in small victories, in good routines, in precious people, in wonderful opportunity. God, teach us how to magnify You in the ordinary of life. God, today I pray for that one person that might be here that's never made that commitment to be your follower. That's heard about your sacrifice during communion and in song. And sees this as a a, a better way to live, but can't unless they know you personally. And I pray that today would be the day that they would make the decision to be a follower 
of Jesus Christ. That they would pray the prayer and be honest that they are a sinner and come to the cross of Christ and let Him take the punishment for their sin. God, may You be their Savior today. We pray these things in Your name. Amen. We're so glad.